Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections. And today we have Nick Gates, nasty Nick Gates, a part of the Talking Giants vs. the World movement. Six foot five, three hundred seven pounds, twenty five years old. It got extended last offseason and a very savvy meal uh, deal, not a meal. Um, although he has his meals, not as much as Kelvin Benjamin. Two years, six point eight million dollar deal, which was a smart extension around that time last year. Started all 16 games at center after never playing the center position besides one week of practice where he was also starting at right tackle versus the Jets in 2019. And in 2019, he started two games at right tackle and then one game at right guard. So only had three career starts after his rookie season being on the IR after having an injury and as an undrafted free agent. Usually that doesn't mean you're you're probably not going to stick around. But he came in the preseason in 2019, played well, forced himself to be the swing tackle. They were even giving him tight end reps in week one of that year. And he was one of my favorite guys. Like, when he showed up, he was the best offensive lineman on the field. You know, like that Jets game, he was the best offensive lineman on the field. And then especially uh, when Kevin Zeitler went out and he was replacing him in Miami, he was the best offensive lineman on the field. Versus Philly, week 17, he played good at right tackle. So it was more of just finding a role for him. It was like, well, where is it going to be? And then it ended up being at center. And Justin, after some early struggles, he figured it out. Like, you know, he struggled versus Pittsburgh. And then Washington, he struggled physically too. But that was um, week six. Besides that, physically, he didn't struggle at all. Now, he's admitted that there was some mental struggles in the first, like, month of the season, which is hard. It's always hard to tell, like, who screwed up uh, something mentally, whether it was QB, O-line, or, or, or center, or whoever it was. But Justin, I really like this guy. He's my favorite player on the offense, and I've been going on for two minutes about him. Nasty Nick Gates. Yeah, Bobby Skinner wore our shirt like during a press conference. This was kind of a big moment for us. The Hogmolly shirt. Go check that out on our store. Came on our show. Um, I'll include that at the end of the YouTube video if you want to watch that interview. Tweeted Talking Giants versus the World, which I think is at the highest point of the offseason for us. I mean, besides Kenny Galladay getting some, but I mean, just like as a show personally, is Nick Gates tweeting Talking Giants versus the World the highest point of the offseason? It it's it's, it's got to be close to it. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, you know, I don't know if there's a player on the Giants who, like, fits what we're about, like, as a show. Like, you know, a player who fits what we're about as a show that's actually on the Giants than Nick Gates. Um, hey, fought Aaron Donald. We play the Rams again this year. That's what he. That's why we like him. He is a disrespectful SOB, and that's what we like. That's, that's what we are. And I, I like him. I mean, he is one of the most chippy players we've had in a long time. Every single game. It's like he averages an altercation per game. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that you want to have on your side. I mean, that's the thing that I have in my notes. He's a guy that you want to have on your side. Um, he's a guy that you even want to root for before we even knew him as like nasty Nick Gates as a guy that kind of, you know, talks a little smack, gets in your face. I mean, was that Pancakes. not that that Dallas Week 17 game? Yeah, you know, the pancakes. That Dallas Week 17 game, you know, where he basically teabags that uh, that corner um, when Sterling Shepard runs that, you know, sweep for a 20-yard touchdown. And, you know, that was a meme for about a whole week. And, you know, he's, he's a really fun guy. He's an easy guy to root for. Now, you talked about, I don't know what, I, I should have wrote down the word that you used, but, f- like, physicality. You said, fi- well, physicality and toughness is certainly not the issue. I thought that if there's one thing where he could still improve, it's his play strength. In terms of going one on one against those big interior defensive linemen, I know Washington's got a pretty big guy that maybe he struggled against some run reps. But if there's one part of his game where I think he needs to improve, it is the play strength. I think technique wise, he's kind of fine. 
You know, he could wind up on all fours a little too much, but besides the play strength and maybe leaning a little too much because he's trying to put guys on their on their ass and on, on their behinds, I think his game, especially for transitioning the center, is pretty darn good. Yeah, let's, so let's start with his run blocking. He's always going to be one to move out because one, he's played every position well, and he's 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 a six foot five you know player and probably closer to six foot six. And some people like there's some people who are just like you can't have a center that big. Now I'm not one of them. So like you said, his play strength. So in single blocks, he's not really like blowing anybody up off the ball. Like it's just it's just not what he's able to do front with those nose tackles. Even though a lot of teams just they don't run those traditional nose tackles a, a lot any anyways. Um, so he, you know, he's not going to win those single blocks, uh, where he's just blowing a guy up. But what he does do is he get pancakes on some of those plays, and he always contains it. You know, he doesn't blow those blocks. You know, Washington, the first Washington game and the Pittsburgh game, he blew those blocks. But I, again, like I said, he's not moving anybody on single blocks, but he's he's not gonna, you know, lose lose that battle where it's like, oh, you know, when we when we're highlighting Dalvin Tomlinson reps. Um, it's like, wow, look what he did to the center. That didn't happen to Nick Gates besides maybe two games. And then also, it's like, he pancakes dudes, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, did he maybe not blow the guy up, but he pancaked him, which is one, is just good on a play-by-play, uh, you know, analysis. But also, like, that is demoralizing for a defensive lineman. Like, that changes the way you play. Like, think about when you go up for a shot in basketball and s- someone swats you. It changes the way you go to the rim yeah. on the next the next couple of weeks. When someone pancakes Yeah, my, you, my favorite thing is uh, when a guy is like on one leg where let's just say he's going for the running back and, you know, his eyes are alleviating off of the offensive lineman that's in front of him. He's trying to make a play. This even happens on some touchdowns too. And Nick Gates, he's going to continue to drive you. So you're getting on one leg, you know, your focus is going off the lineman and then he just pile drives you to the ground. And you see him driving you five yards off the ball or off the, you know, where the play ends after the play. And it's awesome. And you see that versus linebackers, which he's good at getting to the second level. And again, yes, and when yes. he's playing at linebackers, he's going to win that battle strength wise that he's not going to win versus nose tackles. And he moves those guys and he wins with angles. Um, so again, pulling, his, pulling too. Yeah. He Out did, in space. Yeah. He yeah. did have a few, a few pulls, you know, usually ends Seattle? up with a nice cut block Washington the second time around. Um, you know, he had some pull. So, you know, we, we have a pulling center and, and we saw him do that at guard versus Miami. There's yeah. a Saquon touchdown where Nick Gates is the pulling guard. At, I mean, I remember it vividly. Um, so as a run blocker, like I said, he's not going to blow you away on single blocks, but on double teams, he's moving guys when he's working with Shane and Will. Um, he pancakes guys on his own. And again, his height isn't necessarily the prototypical center height, but he's done well at it. And it was his first year playing the position and he's working his ass off. So he should be stronger this year too. Yeah, I mean, what, what, how much, how many uh, pounds did you say that he start off the show? I mean, I have here three hundred and six. Three, I, I three hundred seven is what his pro football reference says. Three hundred and seven. So I mean, you can add more muscle. That's definitely a possibility. Yeah, and even Kelvin some Benjamin people. Did it. All right. Yeah. To, oh yeah, Kelvin Benjamin. We gotta did. stop um, Kelvin Benjamin jokes. Um, how about a pass blocker? How about pass block? And I have some stats for you. you hit me with those you know stats. How, uh, I know what they are, and they're beautiful. Well, do you know? Well, you know PFF how they like to overestimate everything, right? Yes, it's it's unreal. They overestimate their numbers. They inflate their pressures, QB hits, like numbers, and sometimes they even give sacks that they that weren't there. Well, according to PFF, the overestimators when it comes to offensive linemen allowing sacks and pressures, he allowed zero sacks throughout the whole 2020 season. One QB hit, 16 pressures, only allowing one pressure 
throughout the last six games of the season. And Bobby, what you know, what is the thing that we said about Andrew Thomas, who <laughs> was a rookie in the NFL, and Nick Gates was virtually a rookie last year. All right, it was the first time where he really consistently saw you know action out there playing. You know, he was coming off of a an injury a couple years ago in 2019. He got limited playing time, so he virtually was a rookie playing a new position. And the fact that he showed that improvement and allowed one pressure through the final six games of the season, I, I, that's phenomenal. It's unreal, man. And this is his first time playing the position. So, again, it's like you got you expect him to get better as it goes on. And you know what he did better than any center we've had in a while? Which this doesn't have to do with physicality. It has to do with IQ, and this, this showed up. Um, in fact, when I noticed he had a really good play IQ, was actually against Patrick Graham in Miami. And it was a play that Eli Manning threw an interception on. And I was like, look, look how much he picks up the zone blitz that they throw at him. Like he he is always looking to help. When he's not covered, he is not just looking for help. A lot of guys go and they turn their head and they can't find anybody or they just look one way and help one player. No, he's looking to see who needs help, who needs help, which means he's a film guy. And he always seems to do the right guy where he's not leaving anyone else out to dry. So like he's and when he does do that, he lays big ass hits too. Like he, yeah, Powell he's drives him. Yeah. just laying dudes out. So again, and if we're and we're talking about pass blocking, if there's something you could blame it on, like I I don't, it's it's impossible from the outside looking in to really know who to blame on a on a bad blitz pickup is. Is it the center? Is it the quarterback? And I think a, more times than not, it's simply the individual player. You know, I really do think more times than not, it's just the individual player. Because again, is, is Nick Gates making the calls? Yes. But you know what? It doesn't mean that that call is translating to your young player who's not expecting a stunt and totally miss it, totally misses it. You know, it's like he's not making the calls mid-play. So I think more times than not, it's usually the individual player's fault more than it is the center of the QB. Yeah. Um, my only ask, and this is just in general, um, heading towards this year. You know, continue being you, continue being na- uh, nasty, Nick, nasty, Nick Gates. Don't be on the ground so much. Stop being on all fours. Um, that was a thing, you know, I don't have the most luxurious playing experience, but when I was a lineman, I get yelled at whenever I was on all fours. You know, I'm leaning, I'm lunging, I'm lunging, and I'm not doing my job, and somebody's getting by me when I'm on all fours. So don't be on all fours so much, and continue to grow. Continue to be nasty Nick Gates. And one really positive thing, I know I'm, I'm going back to the run game, but I know we're going to wrap up. Giants last year, when you look at their directional rushing stats on Football Outsiders, it's not really great anywhere. But where it was its best is when it was running right past Nick Gates. They were the 12th most efficient um, running up the middle and the guard. And they ran up the middle slash guard at the sixth highest highest rate in the National Football League. So, And that's without Saquon Barkley. And even with Saquon Barkley, the first four games of the season, they were it was a tragedy. I mean, the Giants were historically bad to start the season. And the fact that even just rushing up the middle, it was that consistent. And Nick Gates is a huge part of that. It's huge. So continue being you. Continue to get better. And I feel like we're ending every PPP with saying, hey, continue to get better. And we like what you did. We know you can do more. And that's honestly like a really cool feeling as a fan. Here's one thing. And this is you want to know why no one brings up this next point? Why? Because it never happened. His first year playing center. How many? How many? How many how many snaps did we did uh got fumbled? Oh, I mean under, people were under com- center. People were or, complaining or the about gun. the snaps and the high snaps. But, but how many was, did, I, were not not where they went from center to QB? How how many did they end up on the ground? I can't remember a single one. Zero. Also, Zero. when teams jumped, guess who would get the Giants free yards? Nick Gates by snapping yes, the ball. Yes, that was huge. 
Dallas, yes. Dallas, San Fran, Cleveland led to big plays on a team that was horrible at big plays. Nick Gates got us mm-hmm. big plays. So, man, I, I, I obviously like the guy. Um, he likes us because we've liked him from the beginning, um, which is always funny. Like when he like had some early struggles, they're like, you're just biased. It's like, well, I'm biased because I like him. And he played good. Like and people were people wanted to bench him for Spencer Pulley after the Pittsburgh game. I was like, do you remember how Spencer Pulley played versus the Jets? It was worse than this, and this is Pittsburgh, the best defense in the NFL. All right, we appreciate. Wait, whoa, whoa, two two things, two things, two things, two things. Um, shout out to Grayson Gates, who cool guy, Nick Gates' brother. Shout out to him, and uh, we play Matt? the Rams again this year. We play the and Matt, yes. Um, we play the Rams again this year. Does Nick Gates get into another fight with Aaron Donald? Whip Aaron Donald's ass. Nasty Nick. All right, let's take a break. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. And we've got Jabril Peppers. Safety. Strong safety. Money backer. 5'11", 213 pounds, 25 years old. Was a team captain last year. Entering his fifth year in the NFL, which means as a first-round pick, he is using his fifth-year option without a contract going forward. Came in on the Odell Beckham Jr. trade with uh, the Dexter Lawrence and O'Shane Zimenez uh, pick. Played in 15 games, but basically 14. He missed 90% of the 49ers game and only played a third of the game versus Dallas. Had 91 tackles, 8 tackles for a loss, 2.5 sacks, and 1 interceptions. And Justin... When we started looking at some of his stats versus other safeties, it's like, oh my gosh, not only is he like good in our minds, like the numbers say he's really good too. Yeah, um, you know, we'll just get started on that. Jabril Peppers had kind of an awesome 2020 season, you know, along with playing in the most snaps that he's played uh, in his NFL career, you know, basically only missing two games. But Jabril Peppers was first among all strong safeties in 2020 with the left and pass deflection, he, pass deflections, and he was fifth among all safeties in the NFL. So that includes strong safety and free safety. So Bobby Skinner is really, really good. I know he's uh, he is your favorite New York Giant currently right now, correct? Yes, basically. I mean, I like Nick Gates as well. And if, if you notice, if you're listening on the podcast episode, we put Nick Gates and Peppers together. Ooh, was that intentional by you? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was like, let's kick off Monday on, on a good note. Uh, yeah. But you mentioned, okay, so in passes defended, he had 11. The most for a strong safety, fifth for safeties. Well, guess what? Tackles for a loss. Fourth in the NFL as a safety. Second as a strong safety. Only behind Jamal Adams with eight. With and eight. Jamal Adams is low-key a linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, <laughs> you know, you could make the argument for Drew Burrell, too, as a money backer. But he does play a little more, um, you know, deep than, than Jamal Adams or split out. So, it's like you have a, a passing stat right there where he's top of the league in his position. And a, a running stat where he's top of the league in that position, too. And he's got two and a half sacks. Should be three and a half, what they called one back because he broke Kyle Allen's ankle. And it's just, I love this guy. And not just because of production, but just the way he plays. He's just pl- fast, fast, fast. He's a disruptor. He plays with instincts. And he kind of does it all. Like, he's mostly in the box. Almost half the time is in the box. But he kind of does it all. Um, you know, in the box, forty-eight percent of the time, down to you know, down closer to the line of scrimmage, but split out thirty-nine percent, and then as a deep safety, fifteen percent. Never as a single high safety, always as a two high. Which, by the way, he does that pretty well too. Like you know, when when people say, "Oh, he's a money backer," but when you put him in a two high safety, look, he does all right. It's just he'll he'll never be a single high guy like Cleveland tried to do a little bit with him. 
Yeah, yeah. When Cleveland tried to do that, certainly didn't really really work out. But he's a great athlete. He's a phenomenal athlete. Um, you can argue he's the probably the best athlete on the defense. Might be the best athlete, you know, on the team. Maybe Kadarius Tony's going to compete with that a little bit with how shifty and juky Saquon. he is. You forgot about Saquon. Saquon. Ooh, forgot that he exists. So that was a bad moment. Um, yeah, Bobby. I even have you know in terms of. Uh, I think we. I think he's a little bit better of a run defender than he is against the pass. Definitely. But I even have some more. I even have some more pe- good positive pass stats right here. His yards per target, yards per, per yards per completion given up were the lowest in his career. Also, the lowest average depth of target. But that's also I think Patrick Graham kind of putting him in plus situations where they're keeping everything in front of them as well. So if you kind of allow a catch as a safety, which I put in that quotes, because it's sometimes it's tough to track how many catches and yards you allow as a safety and a linebacker, but still Patrick Graham could put him in a plus spot where anything that you do technically allow, it's kind of in front of you. And that's really, really good. But Bobby, there was a certain point in the season. And I don't know if you remember this, where I was kind of getting a little frustrated with Jabril Peppers towards the, first half of the season, first quarter of the season, where I was like, you know, you may not be making any glaring mistakes, but I was expecting Jabril Peppers to be this guy where he was impact plays every single week that was changing the fast, you know, the face of the game. And then lo and behold, that away Washington game where he had like two bananas pass deflections against Logan Thomas. So Logan Thomas, you know, just became the seventh highest paid tight end in the National Football League, did doing some good things with Washington, and they felt the need to extend him. Jabril Peppers had two insane pass deflections against a pretty big-bodied guy where he was playing pretty much man coverage. So from that kind of point on, I know Seattle, he had an awesome game. He made some really good plays against Arizona back-to-back that led to uh, a fourth-down stop, second, third-down stops that Jabril Peppers made every single week towards the second half of the season, you know, after the first quarter of the season. He was making impact plays Every single game. And that was the expectation for Jabril Peppers last year. And he met it. Not just to not be not bad or just average. I wanted him making impact plays. And that's certainly what he did last year. So we're talking about his coverage in zone. He's someone who plays it smart. But ag- aggressive without getting burnt. You know what I mean? Like he, he plays aggressive without where he's not, a, he's not a liability. And then in man coverage. Like... I think he's, you know, above average for, you know, I'm not watching every strong safety, but for ex- strong safety, especially guys that play down the box, like, I think he's above average. Like, I think, he, he, like, in, and I know this is a, this is the easy comparison for Giants fans, but you know I'm going to do it. He's much better in man coverage than Landon Collins. He's a better football player than Landon oh, Collins. Oh, yes. And, uh, yes. And, and I, I know people love Landon, but like, to me, like, that argument, when he first came here, was like, you know, people would get a little defensive. Now, to me, it's not even close. But, like, in man coverage, like, Jabril Peppers is a is a decent man safety. Now, you'll find reps where he, he loses them, but you're going to have that with – that's kind of the nature of the safety position now um, if you're if you're playing down in the box, which a lot of safeties are. Um, so, it's like and, – and you're just – you're going to be able to find those plays. And, and then there was a time this year where people were very down, and it was the Boston Scott touchdown uh, against, yeah. you know – like the game winning touchdown, but it's like Pep played that almost perfect. Like that, like that was good coverage. It just wasn't perfect coverage, and it was a perfect throw by Carson Wentz. Um, although Jerome Henderson said he should have went up with the other hand, which I thought was pretty um, a pretty like detailed point that made me like Jerome Henderson a little more after that game. So it was like he he did that well, and that's not what his main thing is to do. His main thing is to come down play in the box and be a disruptor and that's exactly what he was when he was playing a gap he knew how to do that and there's times where they used him as like gapless football where they plugged their d linemen and their linebackers in the right spot 
And it's Peppers like, dude, just go make a play. There'd be times Peppers would take out like two guys on one play a good amount of times. And, and, and it was just like, it's just fun to watch this guy just play all over the field, fast, aggressive, and just looking to smack dudes. Yeah. Uh, I think in Graham's defense, it's what makes sometimes the, what I think we call it the enigma. Is that the correct word? Where you just have guys lining up all over the place where, you know, Peppers could be Aniba. What did I say? Enigma? Enigma. What is what the hell is that? It's like a outlier, I think. I hope an, I got that enigma. right. I'm gonna Google it while you talk. An amoeba. It's it sounds your your suggestion sounds better than mine because I'm. I know amoeba. I amoeba is like a like it's like germs. Germs. Yeah, so enigma, a person that. or thing that is mysterious, puzzling, or difficult to understand. Well, you know what? Well, we maybe, can call it the enigma defense too. Because I'm even thinking of week one against the Steelers. This is this is what we saw where. You know, guys were just standing up. You know, maybe you have Dalvin Thomason or Dexter Lawrence with, you know, his the only guy with his hand in the ground on like a third down. But all the edge rushers and all the linebackers are, and all the safeties that are in the box, they're standing up and they're walking around pre-snap. And Pepper's doing that. I feel that's, it's like, okay, you don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to go back there and be a pass rusher, which he is, he's, he's pretty valuable as a pass rusher, Bobby. You know, he gets back at the backfield between eight tackles for loss and getting back at the backfield and having, you know, what should have been three and a half sacks last year. Or is he going to drop back in coverage? What is he going to do? He is part of what makes that kind of, oh, what the hell is Patrick Graham going to throw at us? He makes that valuable. Do you buy into the whole, like, wow, Jabril Peppers really was one of the most improved players from 2019 to 2020? Because I hate that. Hmm. Why do you explain that? Because Jabril Peppers was the best player on the Giants defense in 2019, and then he got hurt. And then so, I, you know, at the end of the year, I gave Dalvin the team MVP for the defense. But if Jabril Peppers didn't get hurt, it would have been Jabril Peppers. He was a playmaker, forcing fumbles. He had, you know, the interception versus Dwayne Haskins. Um, hope his teeth are doing a little better. Um, like he was, he was the only, he was basically the only playmaker on that defense. Like Dalvin was good, but Dalvin's not necessarily a play, you know, playmaker when you think about that word, but like Jareel Peppers was an actual playmaker for that defense. And, um, like, so the fact that be like, now he got, he improved to 2020, but I hated the idea that it's like, wow, he got so much better from 2019 to 2020. It's like, no, he played better. Patrick Graham helped him play better too. And he just got better on his own. But it's like, he was a baller in 2019. He was one of the few bright spots of that 2019 defense. I mean, he was, when I say one of few, it was basically three players that were bright spots on the 2019 defense. Dalvin Tomlinson, Jabril Peppers, and a little bit of Julian Love when Jabril went down. I think it's the past deflections and the fact that you can remember and recollect plays that he made on the football and more tackles for losses too. I think that's the reason. Just basically, it's just more production. We're like we're like I said, you know, I'm I'm not the big. You're you're a much bigger film guy than I am, so you're seeing the intricacies of wow, Jabril Peppers made a really good play here. But I'm a guy that's kind of like I want to see production. I want to see you stuff that stat sheet a little bit, you know. And he's not going to be a guy that's going to get you a ton of interceptions. I recognize that. You know, he's had one interception every single year in his NFL career so far. You know, but tackles for loss and pass deflections. You know, this is a secondary that is filled with guys that are going to get targeted, so they're expected to make plays on the football. So when you do that, that makes it more memorable. And I think that's why people say. So I'm not going to hate that point that people say that he maybe not the most improved. I hate it. I get their point. I get your point. I'm Switzerland. 
Expiring contract, Justin. Very quickly, do you think he is back in 2022? No. I don't either, but, and I hate it. I, I hate it. Part of me understands but, it, but I hate it. He controls, and I think he even said this, he controls the conversation. He really does. Now, with possibly more single high safety looks coming back or a more aggressive Patrick Graham defense coming back this year that he had in Miami, and with almost even adding Xavier McKinney for an entire season. This is Xavier McKinney is kind of like an offseason acquisition because he didn't even barely even played last year. Does Jabril Peppers play even more in the box? Does he get more tackles for loss? Does he break 100 tackles this year? You know, is he playing that money backer pseudo linebacker role where he's stuffing that stat sheet a little bit more and that makes his season look a little bit better? You know, if he forces that conversation by saying no one can do what I do versus, you know, hey, you know, even if we get like another box safety, it could cost us 25%, even though the performance will go down, but still your role is kind of replaceable like Dalvin Thompson. He controls that narrative and controls that conversation. And also, unfortunately, you know, for Jabril Peppers, Xavier McKinney and how well he plays controls that conversation as well. So we're going to talk about it. I feel like we're going to talk about it 75 times this year. We're going to get tired of it, but it's going to change every week depending on how he, depending how, how he plays and then also depending on how Xavier McKinney plays as well and how Jabril Peppers' role kind of morphs this year as Patrick Graham's defense morphs. For sure. All right, anything else before we roll? Rooting for him. Uh, New Jersey kid, Paramus Catholic. Watched him in high school, kind of hated him. Um, but now he's a New York football giant and I love him and still waiting for the day. He gets an offensive play, Bobby still waiting for the day for sure. Never going to happen More corner. I right, appreciate you guys. We'll see you uh, next time until then. Let's go big blue.